If you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 22, two verses today, 16 and 17. If you guys will start with uh, this prayer and pray it with me and then I'll go ahead and read the Scriptures today. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation 22, 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify about these things for the churches, for I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. So Jesus has sent this letter, Revelation, to the churches in crisis to testify to them, to be a prophetic voice, if you will, to proclaim to them that they can trust Jesus, that his words are true, what he did in his life is true, and what he, since he's resurrected and gone to heaven, and what he said he would do there is true. But it's also like to letter to churches in crisis because honestly, rough times are ahead. I mean, if we look through Revelation, there's tons of rough times. And in those rough times, we need to trust Jesus through those, not just to get over them, but to get through them and to hold on to him and hold on to his truth, hold on to his light so that we might not get caught up in all the evil that is happening on earth, all the misdemeanors misrepresentations of Jesus that are being spoken, or maybe even like the denials of Christ that are being spoken. So keeping our eyes on God, on His throne room, and the Lamb who was slain for us, who is Jesus, we are learning that we can trust Him with our every step. That He's been there for us in the past, and He'll be there for us in the future, and that means He's also with us now. As this letter was written, it was written to remember I love this letter. I love the beauty. I love the way that it's told. I love um, the more, the deeper that we kind of dove into it, the more I love it. And we are supposed to know the basics of this book. The basics of this book. What gets illustrated a lot of times is the 666, the mark of the beast. Is it pre-trib, post-trib? But I don't look at these as necessarily basics of this book. Remember that Jesus would have used John to pen this letter down and then send this, this letter in this form. He would have sent it out and uh, Jesus would have known and John would have known that not everybody in these churches was literate. Not everybody could read what was to be written. He would also know that the message that he had testified about needed to be remembered or should be remembered as as Christians are going to go through hard times, as these churches were going to go through rough spots, the warnings should be remembered. The, the, what, what we should take away from this should be remembered. And um, he would know that the message that he testified about, that it, it, could, um, it couldn't be known letter for letter like we know it now. Not everybody would have been able to memorize it, although some would have been able to. They're probably their memories. They didn't have smartphones back then, so their memories would have been able to, to do it much more. But it, it not only um, it should be known, but 
like the bright morning star that can be seen in darkness, like even if, if, it's, it, if it's dark out, that bright morning star can be seen. That is what Jesus is saying here, that he shines forth into darkness to let us know that he's there. And he did that with this letter. And as we wrap it up, actually, 2 Peter 1.19 says that the morning star is to shine into our hearts. And that's kind of what this letter is supposed to do. I'll read Second uh, Peter 1.19, and it says, We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which we do well to pay attention as the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It's actually a beautiful word picture for what Jesus is saying that this letter should be about. We get to pay attention to the little shining of Christ in our heart, right? Jesus sent this letter so that we might be aware and follow him no matter what happens, no matter what happens. And if you're like me, you can imagine all sorts of crazy stuff happening. This is so that we might endure to the end, that we might know Christ now, but we also might know him when our time expires. Jesus knows what it is like to be a human on earth. Amen? He lived it out. He knows what it's going to be like to go through a trial, or he, knew, he knows what it's like to go through a trial or two of his own. And he did it unjustly. And in knowing this, he knows the difficulty of holding on to truth when it looks like all hell is breaking loose in your life. All around us, if things are giving way that you know are certain, it kind of can create some some unsettling thoughts and some unsettling ways. But he wrote this letter that we might know when all else is fading or our foot that sleep uh, is slipping, Jesus knows and wants to remind us that we get to endure, we get to keep walking with him because he is victorious. He is victorious. And so he wants us to know that death and sin and Hades are defeated. They are defeated foes. It looks like they're here in in record numbers, but they're defeated foes, and we are just to hold on. And sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes we thrive, sometimes we just hold on. The morning star mentioned here is mentioned in the beginning of Revelation as well. It was written in, it was first mentioned in the letter to Thyatira, and it has to do with, that letter has to do with enduring in an evil and wicked world. Sound familiar? Like, that's what I feel like we do most of the time. Not putting up with it, not just saying, yeah, we'll just go along with everything, but enduring with Christ and holding on to Him and not giving in to the temptation to walk away from Jesus. Revelation, the letter to Thyatira, here it was in verse 26 through 29, and it says this, The one who conquers and who keeps my word until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with an rod of iron as when the earthen pots are broken in pieces even as i myself have received authority from my father and i will give him the morning star he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so we get to hold on tight to that little light in our heart that morning star in our heart Jesus in these verses is letting us know that if we've read the whole Bible up to this point, like if we would have gone from Genesis all the way through Revelation, he would be saying that he's the God of David. We know the God of David was also the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one who said, 
I am. This is who it is. This means he is the one who was there at the beginning when the world was created. And he is the one that is currently holding all things together. And he is the one whom the Old Testament prophesies about and the New Testament shows us in the person and work of Jesus. So we get to hold on to Jesus. As he was in the beginning, he is now, and he will be forever. And we get to hold on to that little light in our hearts. In fact, I would say that if you walk away from anything in Revelation, trusting God is one of the main elements of the story that we as Christians must take with us. Knowing that we have to endure evil in this world and that we will be tempted to know that we will be tempted to drift away from all that Jesus knew and Jesus did and what Jesus said or even be tempted to steer away from that he'll, he will return. Or maybe we'll be tempted to think that God doesn't care about the happenings of earth. That if he saw what was really going on here, he would do something about it. But this tells us that he knows, he sees, he cares far more than we can imagine. And that is why Jesus came to be with us, to show us how much God, God cares for us, Enough to be with us and live and die for us. Enough to live, die, and then resurrect again so that we might know his love forever. And here and again in Revelation, he is reminding us that we can trust that this has happened and that what Revelation is speaking about in the end and and the, the future kingdom of God will happen. He sees, he cares, and he has a plan to take care of once and for all, Satan, sin, death, and he will do it. This letter speaks to us about the trust that we can have in, who, in whom we are to place it. These words are Jesus' words, and we get to strive to trust Jesus as he's speaking us them to us. Now, when we do trust Jesus, and in, in, in this, we are also waiting for him. But as we're waiting for him, the Holy Spirit has placed in our hearts a a, a cry that comes out from us. And it's, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord, will you please come? So not only do we cry as individuals, we cry collectively as a church, Lord, come. We want to see your face. We want to be with you. And in verse 17 of this, the Holy Spirit and Christ's bride, the church, cry out together, come and then there is an echo from those who hear it because they too see and know and they say come lord jesus come as we search our hearts we want jesus to come back don't we (laughs) amen that would be a lot better than a lot of stuff we we go through we long for the marriage supper of the lamb we long to live in new jerusalem where all things will be made new. We long for that beautiful and wonderful city of God that is uh, proclaimed here. We long uh, to know, or we know right now that things are not right and that Jesus, who is the one who makes them right, and in that, we long to see Jesus and we long to be with Him, not only right now, but eternally as well. And so we call out from our depths Oh Lord, let our soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to the, meet the sun. We long for Jesus. 
So as we wait, we also long. The Holy Spirit speaks to us about Jesus' presence and what it will mean in our life and in the life of, of the world. What Jesus' presence in its fullness would mean to us and our churches and all the evil that we hate in this world. So first of all, I'd say this, like the churches would be unified. Can you imagine that? It might be actually pretty hard. You have to have a pretty big imagination. The churches would be unified and they would totally focus on Jesus. But that's what we're longing for. That's what we want in our hearts. Another thing that we can imagine if we saw Jesus, that all that is false, so all the lies, all that is meaningless, all that is despair, and ugly and evil, it'll all disappear in the light of God's eternal kingdom. And this, we say, oh Lord, please come. Please come. Come and save us. Not only, Lord, we would accept it if it came before lunch, even if we've got lunch being prepared for us right now. This longing comes with a promise that if we come, the one who is thirsty, the one who comes and will drink, If anyone desires Jesus, Jesus will give him a taste. Jesus will quench his thirst. So in that, let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us speak about thirst for just a moment because I love this metaphor of thirst. This is what we are. This is what it is. This is what we are to be. We are to be thirsty. Said it in other ways. We're to be needy. We're supposed to be in these places. This is... Something where if you're thirsty, you're never totally satisfied. It's momentary. And you can take a a long drink of water, but then sometime later, you're going to need another one. And then another one. And this, and then another one. And this is how we're to be with Jesus in the here and now. We keep coming to Him. We keep coming over and over and over and over and over again. Our longing, our thirst is not to go away. It keeps us coming back to the source of our refreshment. We long, we thirst for Jesus, and we get to remain thirsty and come, and come to the well of His satisfaction, not only once, but often. And I love that thirst is the metaphor here used. It means that we don't just come to Jesus once, get our fill, and be on our way. We need to build our life around the source of this life-giving water. We build our life around Jesus. Think of it this way. Uh, if Just in American history, I'm not going to go into world history, but American history, cities, towns, villages, outposts, all were initially developed near a source of water. Even Hadassah, thank you. You get, you get bonus homeschool points for that answer. So... <laughs> Um, need a source of water. They couldn't survive away from it. They needed it. And this is true for the Christian's heart as well, that we need Jesus. We need to live near Him. We cannot get far from Him and survive for very long. We need to keep coming to the well of Jesus. Notice I didn't say we get to. We do get to, but we also need it in our lives. Jesus gives us His grace, this beautiful, unmerited favor from God. There's nothing we did to earn it, nothing we can do to get more of it. This grace is there without price to us. It didn't cost us anything. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and we get to come to him and it, it cost him everything to earn this for our life. And yet he did this willingly and gladly because you and me, us together, we're his delight. We are his delight. Jesus, this is a hard one for us to fathom most of the time. Jesus delights in you and me. He delights in his, in his bride, the church. He looks at her and he doesn't see her the way that we see her. He sees her as pure, spotless, and holy. But he says that about you too. So for one, I don't want to get too far from the one who knows me. Who knows me so fully. Who sees me and yet at the same time cares about me. The one who knows me fully and yet takes perfect delight in me. We get to build our life around Jesus. Grace in Christ is not a one and done in life. It's something that we keep, we get coming back to. It's a place where we continually come back to. Our thirst is great and it can only be satisfied in Jesus. We sang this before this sermon. God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And I love this song because we could, we could have sung it like this. God, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. We need to remain near the source of our true refreshment. We need to stay close to Jesus. Now, I don't know how to do this for you. This is, um, I don't know how you stay close to Jesus. Growing up, I heard preachers tell me how to stay close to Jesus. And it, if I'm being honest, it generally made me feel guilty, which Jesus doesn't want to help heap guilt on us, right? Um, I never could measure up, I probably still don't, to many of the standards of closeness that I heard. And I'm not just talking about the church that I grew up in, but I'm talking about churches that I've been to since. I don't, um, I don't want to give five points to a close walk with Jesus or three ways to stay thirsty. Every now and again, I'll do something like that. But some of the suggestions that might work for me might work for you, but not all, and not all for everyone. So this is what I pray for us. I pray that the Holy Spirit might minister to you ways that you can stay thirsty. Ways that you can keep coming back to the well of Jesus and drinking from the water of life without price. Ways that you can stay close and attentive to Jesus and allow your life to be centered on Him and built on Him. Because this is an important task for us as Christians. I believe that even as this says, let the one who desires, comes down to desire. And desire can be a tricky thing. There are times when we desire for something that is not helpful. Amen? And we need to resist those desires. Then there are times... There are times when desires really serve a great purpose and we need to follow our heart's desire. And as we set our hearts on Christ, as we set our lives on Christ, we get to stir up our desires, our affections for Christ. And So let us find something in our lives, find areas in our lives that stir up our desires for Christ. Desire just means that we want it. That's all it means. We want it in, maybe you could say we want it in a bad way. It's a little, it's a desperation kind of thing. But we want it not only because we can obtain it, but so that we can enjoy it. Jesus delights in us and we can also delight in Jesus. We want Jesus and we want the life 
that he gives. Grace and mercy, let us hear Jesus' words to us today. Let us cry out, come until we see Jesus, and let us be thirsty for him and stir our desires so that we may only be satisfied in him. So Jesus, will you please stir our desires? Lord, will you allow us to be thirsty and needy before you? Will you allow us to cry out and have our hearts cry, come Lord Jesus, come. And Lord, we ask that you will do this soon. It is a promise that you've given us in Revelation. So Lord, will you please come soon? In Jesus' name, amen.